Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 1073, my interview with Mark Scholes discussing his new book, Reset Your Romantic GPS. Enjoy. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. I appreciate it. All the way over in the US. Yeah, New York City. New York City. Expensive rents, I imagine. Very. Very. Hey, uh, Mark, welcome to the show. I um, I know you've got a new book out, which we're going to jump into today, Reset Your Romantic GPS. Uh, so potentially good for everyone out there listening to the show today. Um, tell us a little bit about your, yourself, your background, what you do, and uh, what led you to writing this book. Yeah, so I'm a, a psychoanalyst in New York City, which is just like a psychotherapist. And uh, I've been practicing for about 30 years here. Mm-hmm. Um and, um, you know, um, most of my uh, work has to do with uh, individuals and couples and um, relationships. And, yep. um, and you know, one of the, the main uh, issues that people bring in um, have to do with their kind of um, repeatedly being drawn to the kind of person for a relationship who consistently can't meet the person's needs and why people are drawn to certain kinds of people. Um, Is that that's fairly common? uh, It's very common. Yeah. It's, it's quite common. Well, both in our romantic relationships and and everyday relationships or. Mostly romantic, mostly um, important relationships, relationships that, um, you know, touch a person's dependency needs and, um, you know, people who, who, who are important in our lives. Mm. And so, you know, uh, there is, there's something out there. So I wrote the book really because um, there's an idea around, um, there's a theory called attachment theory. Yeah. Which has to do with, um, how we, it's a language of connecting and it's a language that we learn um, when we're very young. Um, And that kind of language is how we know to be connected. And if that language, you know, um, if you grow up in a, in a, in a, in a more chaotic house or a less attuned house, it's still going to be the language that you have learned how to connect so the book is really about becoming aware of our attachment styles <clears throat> so that we have more of a choice um, um, to, to, to pick people who um, are more likely uh, to meet our needs or to be attuned to our needs. And that's not always the easiest thing huh. to change your language, to change your, your, your um, relational language. And I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, a secure attachment and insecure attachment, which is, which is really the main theme to this. So in a secure attachment, right, an infant comes into the world and the caretakers are attuned, uh, hopefully in, a, in a, a good enough way to the child's dysregulation, their needs for comfort and uh, attachment, their needs for touch and closeness, uh, a hunger and discomfort. And so when a child feels responded to enough, 
a child internalizes two two main things. One is that their needs are um, um, okay. It's okay to have these needs. And two, that the world is going to respond to them in a good enough way. And so they internalize this experience that um, they're okay, that they're going to be regulated, and they're, they internalize a sense of security. Mm-hmm. They go out into the world um, with kind of this life jacket of sense of security, and they meet obstacles um, and challenges in the world in a way that is um, challenging, but it's not, uh, it's not, it doesn't feel overwhelming and it doesn't feel uh, destabilizing because they have the sense of internalized safety. Right. Insecure attachment. Yeah. The flip side is an environment where the caretakers are much less attuned to the child's needs, more inconsistent in responding to them, or, you know, just completely unconscious and just terribly at responding, you know, and misattuned. And so what happens is two things happen for this child. A, the child internalizes a sense that their needs are not okay. That's why they're not getting met. And B, um, they the secu- what they internalize, what they what they become preoccupied with is the other, right? They become preoccupied with the caretaker and they try to accommodate in order to feel connected to their caretaker. So mm. the sense of attachment now, the responsibility of the attachment is on the child, not from the caretaker. And B, they internalize, so what they what they internalize, their security is outside themselves. Yeah. Sorry, that didn't sound so clear. Because they haven't internalized the sense of safety, they now their job is to is to meet the need of the parent or the caretaker in order to feel attached to the child so they go out into the world without this sense of security they go out into the world looking for that security in the other uh-huh. which is a very different experience Okay, so if we're we're feeling a sense of security in some manners, we won't go out there searching for it, but the insecure attachments that uh, we've been brought up with, potentially we're looking out there externally to find that security. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's right. So I guess each of us has some levels of that. Yes, it's it's a it's on a continuum. We all we all have some of that. But when there's, uh, but when it's polarized, and you know, that becomes when the sense of security is, you really don't have it until you're connected to the other. Now you're dependent on that other, right? You have to accommodate to that other. Mm. Um, it's a very different kind of experience, and um, and the, the the sort of tragedy about that or the irony or whatever it is is that the person who's looking for the for the security in the other is usually drawn to the very same kind of person who wasn't available to the child to begin with because that's the that's the language that they learned 
And if they were to meet somebody who was actually it? more attuned to them, yeah, it's not good. No. And attunement feels uncomfortable. So why would we go well. out there finding someone that actually doesn't provide that need, even though that's what we're looking for? Yeah, Obviously, because, you said it's the language, but... Yeah, well, it's, the, it's our first language. We look for it. It, for two reasons. One, because it is what we know, it is what an insecurely attached person knows to be the language of connectedness. That's how they learn to connect, by, by subordinating the self and accommodating to the other. That is, in fact, how they learn to feel connected. Mm. So there's that. Um, it's what they know. The other is uh, the hope or the longing that if they could just get it right, um, if they could just, you know, be super tuned to the other or just get it right, then they would get that kind of love um, that they didn't get. So there's a there's a, a longing to redo or undo what was done. Mm. Um, and they're 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 both not, you know, um, both those things are going to lead to, to to failure. Yeah. So how do we how do we shift that and readjust our guidance? Yeah, good question. So you know, um, the first thing that a person needs is to become aware that they even you know have this guidance. That they have to be aware that they see that who they're drawn to. Um, there's a there's a pattern. So firstly is first is awareness. That's the first thing. Yeah. And you know, um, there's a lot written about attachment theory. There's a lot. You know, one of the benefits, if there are any, of this whole COVID fiasco, is mental health is really taken. You know, come to the foreground. It's spoken about. It's talked about. Um, it's on TikTok. It's on you know all sorts of ways, um, you know, to find out about this kind of stuff. So learning about this is, is easy, yeah. um, but awareness is the first step. Yeah. And, um, and there are a number of, um, you know, there are a number of ways to become aware uh, that are, that are accessible to us. Would there be like a trigger in the relationship that something's not right? Or is that is that sort of the awareness you're talking about? Like how do we well that that yeah, that would be good. I mean, so so for instance, in dating, you know, I have a lot of patients who see, you know, when they when they don't hear back from somebody, they become much more focused on the person they're not hearing back from mm. than the person they are hearing back from. And there's a sense that the person they are hearing back from, there's just not that kind of chemistry that draws them, but they're very drawn to the person who is, is not getting really back to them in a timely way. Yeah. Now, you know, that is a clue, you know, and to be able to make the decision to move on as opposed to pursue somebody from the beginning who's less available, you know, that, 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 that makes a big difference. It saves a lot of time. Mm. I feel that, um, I mean, there's always that honeymoon period as such, right, in a relationship in which yes. in which it seems like we're attracted for, 
not for the needs necessarily, but just the attraction essentially. And then that, when that ends, whether it's a year, six yeah. months, five years, yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people go through this and I think the world's changing in, in how hard we you know fight on because I think people just take the easy route these days and say, you know what, why push yeah. on? I'm just going to retreat and say this is not for us and whether it's amicable or not. But um, it seems like there's that honeymoon period where you know we don't really get the chance to assess, hey, is this person meeting our needs? Yeah. Well, that, well, that is, that is very true. I mean, and um, I tell my clients who are single and dating that it takes six months to really get a sense of a person, yeah. right? So when that honeymoon, that's really where character emerges, right? You, you, um, you, you can, you can tell somebody's character over about six months. And when that, when that falling in love or honeymoon period ends, that's when the relationship begins. I mean, that's really the beginning of a relationship. And one of the problems for the more insecurely attached person is once they get connected, even if they feel like the person is not really the person that they should be with, yeah, it's very, very hard to move away once that's been activated for them the um the anxiety of 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 trusting themselves of of the loss that and the mourning that goes on you know in with separation it's very difficult for them mm. yeah absolutely but you're right people do um back out these days they don't really appreciate that the relationship is is really all about after the honeymoon period so you're talking about um, the, more the beginning of the relationship, finding the right person, and or are you talking about any stage in between this with your book? Yeah, I mean, I'm you know a lot of this is meant for people who are looking, you know, who haven't been able to be successful in finding their partner. Yeah. But um, but it also has to do with you know um, the relationships that we're in, and in order to grow, you have to be able to take risks. You have to be able to to if you have a lot of shame about yourself or about your needs, you know, you have to be able to 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 grow and come out with them and trust the partner is 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 different from, you know, your past experiences, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it's 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 not it's not just a select group of single people. I mean, we all we all we all can learn from this kind of thing. Yeah. Do you think there's a link here between why there's so many more single people nowadays and so many people going through divorce as far as this idea of not matching up with the right partner to begin with? Or what are your thoughts there? Obviously, you deal with it yeah, all the time. It's a, good, it's a good It's a very good question, um, which I talk about a lot with uh, mm. with people and patients. And um, yeah, I think that there is... Um, there is a way um, where people don't want to do the hard work of um, of what a relationship is, yeah. and they have a fantasy that the other is going to meet, you know, all of their unmet needs, and that is not, you know, what another person can do for us. It's just, it's that's much more of a fantasy. I mean, at best, they can understand our needs. And sometimes they can meet our needs, but you know it's not going to um, it's it's not going to undo anything that 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 happened to anybody you know um, 
from their growing up period. So I do think people take the easy way out sometimes. And I do think that there's a misunderstanding and a, 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 of like chemistry over character. A lot of people are looking for that, that chemistry of a character. Well, that sense of, you know, well, I feel this thing, you know, I feel this kind of longing or I feel this kind of um, connection. And when that feeling dissipates, yeah. so does the reason they're with they're with the person as opposed to character when, you know, you are with somebody who really is there for you, who really does have your back. And, um, you know, you have to live with with the good and the bad. And people don't, people seem to tend to run away from that at times. 100%. You know? Well, it's just, it's just the, we, we have a lack of patience in this world and the lack of, um, you know, we want everything instantly. And that's yeah. just, that's just going to be the reality of the world, I think. Um, I mean, do you look at it from a relationship point of view? How do we, how do we work with that? Like, how do we work with each other's needs and address that in a relationship that's beyond the honeymoon and, and perhaps one of the partners or both partners are feeling like their needs aren't met? Do we, do we address it or do we, or do we retreat and say, look, this is not for us and that's fair enough? Because I assume potentially there's a lot of people that perhaps just aren't compatible and never were. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, you know, you have to be able to share what your needs are in mm. order to see if they can get met. You know, you have to make it you be willing to be vulnerable and to and to reveal who you are and what you need. I mean, that's different from just being needy, right? But being able to 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 let your partner know, you know, the things about you that you may be you have your own shame about. So you have to give the person a chance. And if a person, if the partner can hear the person and can, you know, um be mature enough to appreciate and get to know the person they're with. I yeah. mean, literally, mm. you know, um, that usually does the trick. The problem is for some people is they have more of a, a fantasy about who their partner is. And when the partner starts becoming a real person, which we all are, and not just, you know, um, the, the fantasy on um, that, that, that can be difficult for certain kinds of people who um, are not looking to be in reality. <laughs> right. And, you know, if you're with a, a person who is judging you when you open up or is critical of you when you open up, um, you know, hopefully you'll have enough self-esteem to be able to, to decide whether or not that person's really right for you or not. But you do have to take the, the risk of letting yourself be known. Well, I think if you look back at, I mean, what you're talking about, the attachment theory and finding people that perhaps don't actually fulfill the needs that we're looking for. I mean, if you're in that spot and you feel like something's not right or some needs not met and you approach your partner about it and ideally, you know, if we have actually found the wrong mm -hmm. partner, then even approaching them about it, what's going to change? Like what's really going to help them start to um, meet our needs if we've actually, you know, if they've actually not that person that can meet our needs? Yeah, I mean, I do think that that reveals itself earlier than later. Um, the problem for an insecurely attached person is they will continue, they will identify with, well, maybe there is something wrong with my need. 
right? Well, maybe if I just accommodate and I do it this way, then it'll be okay. And that is a problem, right? Um, but usually within six months, you know, you can begin to tell whether or not the person is really good at, good for you or not good for you. And then you have to have the ability to, to make the, a decision. Mm. Um, and if you put that decision off, um, you know, you're going to go forward in the same kind of relationship and um, it's probably not going to work out very well. Yeah. What do you find most common, like in these situations where couples are addressing their needs with one another? Is there a similar pattern that pops up? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, people are, you know, when we're, the longer we're with someone, you know, on some level, the more that person becomes, we we sort of make our partners over time into not, you, you know, uh, into our past a little mm. bit. Like, um, and partners get triggered very easily. They get defensive very easily. Um, they can fight about, you know, the most... I mean, um, mundane kinds of things, yeah. you know, and because the person is so important to us um, and really kind of touches on old stuff in us, you mm. know. So the best thing that couples can do is to try to hear the other and to notice when they're getting defensive and there are a couple of great technique techniques for that, a listening techniques where, you know, uh, the, the first person partner a says how they feel and partner B has to mirror back to uh, partner a, what they said, Yeah. you know, and then partner A says, yes, that's, that's, that's how I feel. That's what I meant. Then partner B does it. And partner a has to mirror back to partner B and the craziest thing is when both people feel heard, literally just heard, uh, that's about 70% of the of the of the issue. If two people feel seen and heard, forget about who's right or wrong. Just the fact that they have two subjectivities and they're being their experience is being understood, that does a lot of good. Mm. Um if they can't do that, you know, then all the work is about just doing that, just just being heard, you know, um, and couples trigger each other. Like I said, we become, you know, they become reflections of all of our own sensitivities. Yeah, yeah. So do you think a lot of people have gone out there and, and met couples that don't actually fulfill their, their needs by searching for that, that insecure attachment that you were talking about? I think that the the people with certain types of insecure attachments are act, who uh, go go after people who who are not available to meet their needs, and the insecurely attached first needs to begin to have a relationship with themselves. I mean, they need to be able to um, be good to themselves by by not putting themselves in situations where they're not getting their needs met. They have to take good care of themselves. They often don't do that either. So an insecurely attached person needs to become aware of that tendency 
Interesting. Sorry, there's a there's a there's a New York City car blaring uh, outside my window. So uh, New York City, uh, never been. Can't wait. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so I, I think I think sometimes if you if you've got that secure attachment and you search for someone that actually doesn't meet that need, it's likely that person, like you said, was much like your parent or caretaker that didn't give that. Yeah, that's who you're looking. You're looking for a similar kind of person, unfortunately, who's also usually not capable. Um, and if you do find somebody who's really available, that feels very um, unknown. That feels very strange. It feels very um, untethered to a person who um, didn't have that. And so they have to get accustomed to that, believe it or not. They yeah, it'd be interesting to, I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking of my own relationships, but it'd be interesting to see how that works in other relationships too, when you see the couples together and how they match and I guess how they compare to the parents if you know the parents as well. Yeah. There'll be some similarities, right? Is that right? Yeah, well, there'll always be some similar. Yes, there are definitely similarities. Again, the problem is when these things are more the extreme, the extremes, right. right? I mean, the in-between is, 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 is not really um, problematic. It, it's it's usually when you know it's it's more it's more of the extremes sides of this. Okay. When so you're when too accommodating, yeah. Or yeah, go on. Just looking at the uh, reset your G, your romantic GPS. Um, yeah. And we started on that by awareness. Any any thought? The final thoughts on on how we reset this romantic GPS? What should we be doing? Yeah. Um. There. There. Are a number of things you can do. I mean, I, I'm a big believer that five minutes of mindful meditation, which is really yeah. just a breathing, you know, and focusing on the breath, being with yourself yeah. for five minutes a day, you'd find it, you don't think it would be challenging, but it is. And if you can be, the more you can be with yourself and you realize there's a self to be with, um, that provides a, 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 a real sense of stability um, knowing that you have this self to be able to come back to. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other ways of practicing are noticing cravings, for instance. So you have a craving for a person, you have a craving for food. Notice that craving. Um, think about, you know, realize you're in a relationship with these kinds of things. You're in a relationship with the craving. And notice the feelings that are associated with it. Just begin to become aware of the kinds of things that drive us, that we long for, and as opposed to just being in the feeling and just reacting robotically, try to become aware of the, those moments. See if you can allow a little bit of choice to come into the picture. Mm. If I want this thing that's really bad for me, um, would I? if I had a child, would I want my child to eat that? Right. And if the answer is no, what would it be like to not fulfill that craving for the moment? What feelings come up when you say no to something unhealthy, you know, and be with those feelings. The more we can be what I call the discomfort of healthy choices, the more we can be with that discomfort. The yeah, better off it's we a are. really, really, I mean, we could go deep into this topic. Um you know, and I'm, I'm guessing there's there's a lot of people that are good at it out there that can be comfortable with yeah. the normal, you know. But I think in this day and yeah. age, what is normal anymore? And I think we're all hooked on to something to to have this sense of escapism, whether it's 
drinking drugs, uh, social media. Um, oh, yeah, you know, just, just social media. Seeking of attention, um, yeah. addiction to whatever work, um, sex. I mean, there's just yeah. so much of it that we just Yes, the dopamine, the, the dopamine hits in with with technology are just it's pretty if we if we watched ourselves if we really could observe ourselves with these phones it would be it's scary oh it's amazing and i'm yeah i try to be mindful of it i use my phone for work all the time so i'm on it uh, at least four to five hours well, a day uh, well that's for work at, you know i know but it's still there you know and it still becomes an it attachment is. Um, is. which is it then makes it a bit harder right. sometimes Right, put the phone down for an hour for people and see what feelings come up when you don't, you know, uh, when you leave it there, look at your phone and for an hour, I mean, 10 minutes to begin with and see what feelings come up. You want to be in relationship to those uncomfortable feelings. Mm. Those are the ones that help you grow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think back, you know, 20 years ago when we were kids or because I wasn't a kid then, <laughs> a bit longer than that now. But you know, back in the day when we were kids, it's it, we didn't have any of this, you know. No, we we barely had you know TV, um, yeah. and you know a couple of channels maybe. So it's it's going to be an interesting change. But um, Mark Scholes, yes. thank you for coming on. Where thank can you. people go to find out more about you? What's your best uh, spot? Yes, so the book is available on um, Amazon. Uh -huh. Reset your romantic GPS and. Um, um, I have a, a, a website, uh, Mark LCSW.com. You can um, find me there. And I have a social media. I also have an Instagram, uh, Mark Scholes LCSW. So, you know, you can see, see some of my stuff there. And uh, uh, th I assume through your website, they can find all your links to where you're hanging out. And um, obviously, the book will yeah. stick the link into the show notes as well for everyone listening. Yeah. Jump on there, click the link support the show yeah. and lee if you're ever in new york you know you gotta come come and say hello oh mate I, yeah i've never been to america i've got so many you know people like yourself that we've met and um yeah i reckon i could probably stay for free in america uh -huh, exactly based on the connections so one day one day mark thanks so much for coming on guys check it out at thehiddenwhy.com next time peace Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there. And also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. 
You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Martin Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.